The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. That's right, 12 minutes past. Good evening, Dr. Popi Ramatuba, MEC for Health, province of Limbobo. Uh, evening, Songezo, and evening to all the listeners of Viewpoint, and, and thank you for inviting us. Thank you so much for your time. We've had a conversation with the Eastern Cape, specifically the Premier. We've had a conversation with the MECs, respectively, for social development and in the National Treasury in the province of the Free State. So we try and making this a national discussion. It's now the turn of Limbopo, and we do have the MEC for Health for those who are listening and joining in. 0891-104-207 is the number to dial. Let's engage, for, let's, let, let's engage our leaders. Let's engage those who are accountable to you, the people. Let's engage especially because this is a public broadcast platform whose mandate, among many others, is to engage with those who preside over national functionaries. MEC, let's have a conversation very briefly and broadly in your sense. Talk to us about the interventions that the province of Limpopo has since made in the broader fight against COVID-19. You can reference to whatever you will, just to give us a sense as to when we talk about COVID and Limpopo, these are some of the salient points you want us to know. Yeah, I think as long as it's a broad question, which it's very difficult to even think of where to to start. But what we can indicate uh, is that um, it's exactly 100 days since our first case was detected in the province. And uh, fortunately, or also unfortunately, our first case has been a medical doctor who had traveled overseas to Europe. And I would say, unfortunately, because when, when the doctor is infected, you will know the panic uh, that will be involving people asking, has he consulted patients? Are you closing the hospital? What what about other healthcare workers? Are you not going to have an outbreak in the hospital? What's happening? So, so that is on its own. The fortunate part of it, it, it makes us to grow in a short space of time to begin to realize that this is a reality and we are not dealing with just a, a small issue. It's something that can cause uh, collapses you completely. And if you are not calm and, and put up a proper strategy to manage uh, the crisis at hand, you are going to find yourself in trouble. And we must really appreciate the support we got from both the minister and the premier who says, yes, we, you, you are going to, to, to address media, you are going to deal with this matter. We are here to give you the, the support that you will need. And, and, and since that day, we have, as a province, registered a total of 583 cases, of which the good news is that 270 have recovered, 308 have been active cases, and unfortunately we've registered five deaths. Mm. Now, what we can indicate is to say, during the, our approach has always been a, a pushback strategy to say, Knowing the limited limited resources that we have as a province, we are a rural province. We do not have the luxury. We don't even have a single academic hospital or central hospital. What you will find in provinces mm-hmm. like Western Cape or Gauteng, we don't have such. Which then also tells you that you will have a limitation in terms of your medical specialist, your ICU specialist nurses. That is why our strategy from day one has always been: we've got to push back. The virus must remain. Uh, in terms of its infection rate minimum. In that way, you will be able to cope. Uh, your healthcare system will not uh, 
uh, be find itself in serious uh, challenges. And if you remember, I think immediately after our first case was probably uh, a week later, the president pronounced level five lockdown. Mm. That's that's when we we launch our during that period our mass uh, household screening and testing. And as a province, we have been able to do well because during that time, Limpopo has a, post, a population of around six million. We've been able to screen more than three point six million at that time. Uh, we don't we no longer talk about who are we screening because everybody must be screened when you go to work. We no longer talk. People ask me how many people are you screening. We're screening everyone. We're not it's no longer uh, about uh, even counting. You're screening everybody daily, and 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 when your 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 test results for screening are valid for 24 hours. So we we're no longer going to talk. But at that time, because everyone was under lockdown. That's why we were getting into one household to another. We deploy around 10,000 community healthcare workers to move from one household to another. Through our National Health Laboratory Services, we've been able to refer 4,000, uh, more than 4,000. They were all tested, and the results at that time, only six out of that it came out positive. That gave us a clear direction that as a province, we are indeed dealing with a situation where we don't have community infections at that time. Uh, if, if you had screened more than 3.5 million and you've tested more than 4,000 and you have only six positives, that tells you that the, the current infections that we have were still the interprovincial uh, transmission, and that's what we were dealing with. Now, the level five lockdown was uh, uh, regulations were relaxed. The president pronounced about us moving to level four. That's where problems uh, started. We, we indicated, especially to the economic sector, looking at the major economic uh, drivers within the province is mining, agriculture, and, and tourism. Tourism, we don't have a problem because it's still under lockdown, uh, although it's having a serious, uh, of course, in, in implication in terms of our economy yes, as a yes. province. Agriculture was not much of a high risk in terms of transmission, but mining, I must tell you, Songezo, mining, mm-hmm. we anticipated that once the, the Minister of Minerals and, and Resources and Energy pronounced that they are going to start operating 50%, we knew we are going to face a disaster because the rate of infection in the mining area is very high. So that's why we call upon our mines to say, can you please follow one, two, three, four. At the beginning, I must confess, Things were very tough. There were my bosses who really did not want to understand and appreciate what we are saying at the Department of Health. They 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 were very really not not uh, uh, really uh, uh, coming on board or cooperating. We saw in the first week of opening the mines, uh, having a real bushfire around Kukune area created to us. Uh, that's when we immediately make intervention. We, we get a team now that's got all the, the mine bosses that sit with the provincial executive committee mandated by the premier. And we had to, as the lead department, have come up with a strategy to deal with those bushfires within the mine, those cluster outbreaks to say, how do you contain the, the current uh, problem, the, the, the spread that is within the mine? Now, during that process, I must indicate uh, there are two ladies who are running, who are in charge of mines. And I must I must mention uh, 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 
then the, 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 the boss of the BS in Venetia Mine and also from Anglo, the CEO there, they've been very uh, assistive. They came to me to say, look, let's work together and see how we can support you even with resources. So we we we, we work well with Ms. Bumizikalala and also Ms. Uh, Natasha Felun to, to deal with the spread in the mines, including all the other other mines that are not there. So our strategy was a community-based uh, approach. I will later expand how this uh, approach assisted to also contain the spread that we were seeing in those particular areas, but, uh, which has resulted now that Kukune, which was at some stage an epicenter, it's now no longer an epicenter because we determine an epicenter based on the number of active cases, which currently Mubani has now overtaken with 78 uh, active cases and uh, Capricorn District is at 72 cases and Waterberg at 66 cases and Skukuni, which was once uh, the epicenter, is now only having 49 active cases at a total of 183 mm. cases. The remaining cases, 133, has fully recovered. And we must indicate that even though we had that 183 uh, infections coming from the mines, we didn't uh, experience any mortality or Excellent. any death. Now, to... our approach, which is said, uh, I'm, I'm just going to come into is to say now, when, uh, of course, uh, we, we must go back to, to normal as a county. The lockdown had its own purpose to make sure that we prepare ourselves to can be able to deal with the virus. We're going to live with the virus, as the president has indicated, for a very long time. We must just have a lot of behavioral change. Now, what we did now as a province is to say, we must now begin to categorize our state of readiness in terms of dealing with a surge. Because as you can see, on a daily basis, in the province we used to have one, two, five cases per day. Today we are dealing with 74 cases per day, uh, 39 cases per day. To, uh, this past spring forward, we had 18 cases. So now that's that we are moving uh, towards towards the surge. We have 500 masks. And our healthcare professionals, 28 of them have already been uh, infected. The good thing is, out of them, 21 have already fully recovered. That is the positivity that we see. It. Now, our approach was to say we are going to to look at uh, in terms of preparation to different stages. There must be a household fitness, which is coupled with primary healthcare facilities preparedness. Once we strengthen our primary health care, and then we'll have also facility preparedness. Now, in terms of the uh, household preparedness or primary health care, we, we have launched uh, the premier in the province with the chairperson of the provincial command council has already launched, uh, which is the <clears throat> strategy that we use to deal with those areas that have indicated were a real hotspot for us. We have been able to deploy around 10,000 community health care workers. Those were the health directorate cadres who we were using them previously to fight issues of HIV and AIDS and TB. They are used to door-to-door. They did our phase one household screening that have indicated that 
they were able to, to reach out to more than 3.5 million people. So what they are saying... I'm going to have to interrupt you. I'm going to have to interrupt you because, I mean, I think if I don't, you could probably speak until the top of the hour. And I, I, I do want the listeners to participate because in as much as you have given us, if you like, the state of the province in response to COVID-19, I do want the experiences of those who are equally part and parcel of the Limbobo experience. So I'm going to have to open up the lines on 0891-104-207 to those who want to participate in this conversation. And already we do have two. We have Hezekiel in Bushpark Ridge. We have Selo in Mokopane. I'll take those two for now, please. Good evening. Good evening. No, it, it doesn't seem like it, it doesn't seem like any of our callers are there. I beg your pardon for that. But let me just ask then in relation to some of the matters that you have already raised, I think I'm going to respond to your community based approach surge plan in, in a minute. But we, we cannot at all dismiss the reality that there were some existing burdens, if you like, in the healthcare system. I mean, you mentioned the fact that there are no central hospitals in the entire province. There isn't an academic hospital attached to Limpopo. So inherently, that does bring about certain challenges nuanced to the province that other provinces might not have. But over and above the fact that you already had a public healthcare system that was under pressure or, generally speaking, would have been under-resourced than, say, the plans should otherwise have, COVID, of course, has created a different challenge altogether. How then do we still ensure those health needs outside COVID? I'm talking about your chronic illnesses, your requirements still for your day hospitals, your clinics, and general medical supplies that are not necessarily COVID-specific but are nonetheless required. I do know that budgets have had to be reportioned and reprioritized and changed, and we're going to hear more about that from Minister Mboweni tomorrow. But nonetheless, there would have been existing challenges which would have caused you enough of a headache outside COVID-19. How then does COVID-19 coexist with with the inherent challenges or programs, if I can put it that way, of the Limbobo government as it pertains to health? Thanks for that. I must indicate that the Level 5 lockdown did, of course, give us a breather in terms of burden of disease. Our EMS was breathing at that time. Our emergency services, our orthopedics unit, our trauma units, um, when there was the ban on alcohol, when there were no trauma, no road accidents, which are the major cost drivers in terms of our healthcare system and the, the burden of disease, mm-hmm. alcohol, mm-hmm. we see it as number one. So that is another story. But also we are saying our approach of a community-based outreach search plan, it's not only aimed to deal with COVID-19, because when you, when you cut me earlier on, I was explaining what we We take our 10,000 community healthcare, one of them, it's allocated 160 households. He or she is expected to get into the household and do household profiling, screen them not just for COVID-19, but screen them for all other ailments that she is trained who can be able to do. And also teach them how to do their own quarantine, especially for those with comorbidities. To so say, as Africans in our own way, long before the missionary came with the virus, I always say this, my grandmother will tell you that if a woman gives birth, you are put in a randavel for three months. No one accepts that under randavel because you will infect the child because the child's immune system is very mm, weak. Mm, mm. So that child, in other ways, has been quarantined. So we've been quarantining, we've been isolating. So we've brought back those basics in our villages that uh, our elderly people, we are moving to an, a search 
wherein they must be quarantined so that they don't interact with us and infect them. Children with measles, because elderly people knew that measles was very dangerous, it will kill, there was no cure for it. The child with measles will be isolated, must not mix with other children. Children with chicken pox, for instance, will be told, go and play with others and have have immunization. I'm just giving you an example of what the basics that we are implementing when we do. Now, from those community healthcare workers, 10 of them are allocated a professional net. Those professional nets, when we launched, that's where even the mines came in. Glenco Mine bought for us a, a kit of a, a beating machine, the glucometer to check the blood glucose, the cholesterol, and to check your cholesterol level. The, the, because we are a malaria endemic, and we don't want our people to die of malaria while we are focusing on COVID, we also gave the malaria kit got HIV testing kits that got also the screening tools for TB and the sputum sometimes to even uh, collect the sputum for that. So the, the community healthcare worker, as she's doing household screening and pick up some of these the nurse, professional nurse come on board. When she gets in, she tests, I launched uh, that, I was with the panelology. The households that I've visited, I can tell you, I found one lady who has never eaten fasting blood glucose giving me 15. It was a ticking time bomb. Had we not made that intervention, she would have died not of COVID, but of diabetic complications. We found one one patient, one lady with a blood pressure of 220 over 140. You can see that she was not even aware that she a uh, hypertensive. She was just knowing mm, that she mm, got mm. a chronic at the age. So we are saying our community approach at this pace approach, which will therefore detect all your NCDs within their household. And those who are found to be HIV positive after being tested by the nurse, they will, because the nurses are trained to initiate ARVs, they will immediately initiate in that household and medicine will be delivered in the household. And those who are diabetic will also, but there are those who are complicated whom the nurse would not necessarily uh, be within their scope to can initiate those. That's when, you remember when as a province, we came into an agreement to sign contracts with the GPs within the very same community to say 10 of those professional nurses will be working under that particular guidance and support of a GP. That's where the GP families can visit that household. First thing, as the, the, the problem continues, the numbers we can see, they are going up people become much more vulnerable. The, our vulnerable would have been detected through our uh, this uh, committee-based approach plan. And when they are detected, they would be able to get a doctor at home. We are now bringing in the CDW from the municipality I was discussing with them. And it does doctor. sound like yes. MEC that essentially what the community-based approach surge plan is to try and limit what typically is the traffic from the home to the healthcare facility because we obviously know the reasons behind that, not least among them the reasons of social distancing and the like. And you are now having to, for instance, the GP, the nurses, the healthcare workers having to do typically what happens at the centre in the homes. I'm minded to ask this question in relation to resources. Does that then not stretch? I understand from a clinical perspective why you would do that. I'm just worried about the resources necessary now to implement this surge plan. 
that that is the if you 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 look at it and calculate it, it's much cheaper and and, and it's so cost effective and it's doable. We have done it in Skukune where we were having uh, the challenge because we took the ones that we had in our in our staff establishment. We have negotiated with Treasury to say we are going to sacrifice certain appointments and prioritize the appointments. We need the extra five hundred nurses. In terms of the GPs, we have taken the NHI grant which was meant for, because remember, uh, a number of uh, programs that you campaign for H- H- HIV and AIDS and all that have been, have been re- uh, now due to the, the COVID-19. So that's why we're saying just deal with this COVID-19 comprehensively with other diseases. We've got grants for malaria. So when you're dealing with this compre- uh, comprehensive strategy, you're also dealing with the malaria. So there has been a reprioritization in terms of the manner in which the budget has been done. The resources are limited. They will never be enough. But if you think of it, these two patients have given you as an example, and we not visited them at the time we did. They were going to complicate. And imagine when they get to the hospital, how much do they consume when they're in the hospital? How much we, do we spend patient per day equivalent? Our PDE. It's going to be too much because the patient when they're hospital, you must give them linen. Get the medication, they must have a doctor, they must have a nurse, they must have a physio, they must have all that. But when you're treating from home, it does not cost you that much. So, so we are saying, this is actually the NHI that we should have noted. If we look at it in that, in that manner to say, it's even far too much, very cheap. And it's strengthening the primary health care. COVID-19 has just exposed us to We are not strong when it comes to a preventative medicine and also primary health care. So we are saying it, it's not it's not going to be a big issue when those who are healthy and young get infected. They will fight the virus and they will try to get up, given you to say already 270 has recovered. The problem is when the virus starts to attack those who are vulnerable, those whose, whose immune system is weak, those who are HIV positive but are not even aware that they are HIV positive and are not taking air. Yeah, no, no, I Those do get you. Who are not so imagine when we go to their home, we're going to pick them, those those conditions. And if we pick up that you are vulnerable, we're going to quarantine you at your home and, and protect you at your home. Excellent. So in the long term. MSC, allow me to ask a few questions. I, I accept that you want to get what you have on your program out to the listeners, but I, I, I do need to extract specific information from you. And to the extent that that is the case, I would also invite those callers who might be interested, 891 No voice notes have come through yet, so we're not going to go that route in as much as no phone calls have yet come through, but your time is running out. MEC, I, I, I accept the, suppose, the decentralization, if that can be given a term in relation to the community-based approach search. Having said that, there would still be social challenges in those homes. You don't necessarily find homes that are fit for purpose for the purposes of um, somebody who's going to take care of the sickly person, so to speak. There are child-headed households. There are those challenges then that are not necessarily health challenges, but nonetheless are challenges that you'd have to deal with for the purposes of effectively implementing your community-based approach. What's the plan there? Thanks very much. That's why earlier on I was saying, I even had a discussion with the MEC for Copster to say, because they've also got their own cadre, CW, who also assist in terms of looking at the household properly. They will be focusing on issues of what social development has got its own also. And I was saying there's a lot of fragmentation and duplication from different departments. Now, 
we as a provincial command council, we are bringing everyone together. So when it comes to targeted selling, or when our provincial care workers are doing household profiling, they are able to pick up that in terms of this particular household, there are challenges. That's where social workers come on board. And also we are saying, as the, as the government, we do have quarantine facilities, we do have isolation facilities, but there won't be enough as the numbers continue to increase. Mm. Hence, we, are saying we want to empower communities. So the ones that we are having as government, they are the ones that we are going to utilize. We know that in household numbers, Computer care worker who has got 160 years old, she knows that out of those 100 can afford. She has trained them, they'll be able to do that. 60, they can't. Then we know if there's a problem at household number one, this is how we must intervene as government. So this is all about planning. This is a, it, it, it's a plan that we, we have already started to implement. Of course, as the numbers go, for now, it's easier implement because our numbers are still relatively low, low correct we yes, will sure. continue to work with all departments to make sure it becomes a very success. good because that's our only hope to can deal with this virus let me engage the listener who is participating in this conversation the dr popi ramatuba mec for health province of limbobo calling in from rustenburg is steven steven thanks so much for your time good evening good evening and good evening also to the doctor doctor let me ask you a question and i would like you to be uh, honest and frank do you have with you in the province 223,095 respiratory masks for doctors and nurses? Question one. Question two. Uh, do you have so, sorry, around um, 950,000... I'll repeat the questions. Uh, Don't worry, MEC. I'll repeat the okay. questions for you. Second right. question, Steve. Uh, the second question. Do you have 950,000 test kits? And... Uh, one of the most important questions that I have for you, how many hours do you keep doctors and nurses within the COVID-19 IC? It's a pity we've lost Stephen, but I'm going to have to move on. Essentially, just to repeat those questions, yes or no, do you have 225,000 PPEs in the Limpopo government space, specifically healthcare space? Do you have the 950,000 testing kits supposedly required that's at least what Stephen is of the view and do you keep a record of the hours of the doctors and nurses that they are spending in the healthcare facilities those are the three questions we're going to take one voice note and then you're going to respond to the two of these hi evening song may mc for health in limpopo tell us more about cuban doctors and their performances and uh, how they differ from uh, our, our, our local doctors here. Thank you very much. Excellent. I hope you heard the last voice note and certainly my yes. rehashing of the first caller's points. Please, your response. Uh, the, the last question in terms of the, the Cuban doctors, we, we did receive a certain Cuban healthcare professionals. Uh, among them, eight, eight of them were those who are We've done family medicine, and and there was a statistician, and there's also uh, we've done epidemiology and and all that. So, so what we are doing is that we 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 spend um, a month uh, inducting them for them to understand our healthcare system, the province, uh, our challenges, and we share experience with them, and then. Uh, we, we we allow them to to remain. While we don't have a central hospital or academic, we do have two tertiary hospitals that are now 
currently being used at teaching hospital. That's your monkey and Petersburg hospital. That's where most of our specialists in all the disciplines, you will find them in those two hospitals. They have worked with them, and now we've been able to, to release those to different uh, 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 hospitals where they are now working within the system. They are not working uh, as on their own. They are working together with uh, our uh, uh, own uh, because they do not come here to take anybody's job. They came here to complement uh, our doctors and support uh, our doctors to work. In terms of the PPEs, I must indicate that um, we, we, don't, we do not compromise as a province. And I can go on to explain to you uh, in terms of the buffer stock that are currently sitting every day on my desktop. I do receive the the current stock that we have. I, I think I had him asking if we have got 250 N95 masks. We've got more than 225,000 PPEs, 950,000 yes, testing kits. We have got more than uh, more than that uh, N95 masks only. We've got more than 330,000, uh, somewhere 340,000, if I'm not mistaken. And all the PPEs that are required, we do have. PPEs, I do not compromise. They, 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 I'm always, a week can't go by without going to the pharmaceutical depot to check because you can't expect your frontliners to go and attend mm-hmm. to a patient without even protected themselves. First. Very well. So that's where we don't compromise at all. It doesn't assist because imagine if one final thoughts MEC, we have to go positive, they will definitely in fact even others. So it means you must isolate and quarantine. That means you must close the facility, and that means uh, you you are gone. I've indicated because those are limited resources, and we can't afford to do that. So for for people, um, it's one area that I don't compromise. The, the second issue on the testing kit that's not we've seen. Unfortunately, our control. You read even the president indicating that we have got a challenge, and it's not only for the South Africa. The minister have reiterated the global challenge of testing kits. That is why we are currently using and sticking to guidelines in terms of testing. You should show symptoms for you to can test it. If you, you are, if you are screened. And your temperature is normal, no sore throat. No, MEC, I'm going to have to cut you. Unfortunately, I, I, I cannot engage any longer on this matter because um, I was requiring at least yes or no questions just to satisfy Stephen, but I am hopelessly out of time. For now, I can only say thank you very, very much for giving us your time and for being as thorough as you have been in your responses to some of the listeners. I, I, I suspect you and I will have to have a conversation again because there's so much more obviously we can take because it does make a difference when we talk to an MEC who truly is invested in one's profession and in one's constitutional obligation, and certainly as it pertains to health in the Limpopo province. Dr. Popi Ramatuba, thank you so much, ma'am. Thank you. It's unfortunate because in health, you can't have a yes or no answer. I accept. I, I fully accept. Stephen heard that, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said it nonetheless. That was the MEC, Dr. Popi Ramatuba, MEC for Health in Limpopo.